Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited to introduce my new friend, Rebecca Hastings. She lives in Connecticut, and she just told me she was born yeah. right there, which is so, uh, it's so great. And I think it's unusual in this day and age. Don't you think so, Rebecca? Absolutely. So many people are surprised when I say my husband and I are both raising our family in our own hometown wow. from where we grew up. Yeah. It's so great for your kids to be around grandparents on both sides. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so my parents and his parents both live in town, and we see them regularly. And um, since we're talking about legacy here, how has that made a difference, do you think, to your children? Do you think they'll also try to do the same, you know, always be around you when they get older and have their children? I mean, we can't really predict. We can't actually predict the next hour. But <laughs> think about it. I'm sure that they're thinking, well, don't, doesn't everybody live uh, a few blocks from their grandparents? I would hope that it impacts them in that way. I mean, I don't want to assume that my kids are going to want to live super close to me forever. But, you know, as a mom, I would love to be able to be part of their normal everyday life instead of just only having holidays, for example. Um, but at the very least, I would hope that it encourages them to be intentional about keeping those connections no matter where they end up living because they're growing up. In what sense do you mean that? Um, just staying connected in terms of communicating regularly, in terms of checking in on people with their daily life, because they're growing up with their seeing their grandparents often and talking to them and telling them about their random school day or the project they're struggling with. Um, so I would hope that it encourages them to at least be intentional about keeping that kind of communication with their own kids or just for themselves even as they grow up? I think it is such an unusual phenomenon that you have that. And <laughs> I'm not jealous because it's too late for me, but I <laughs> oh great. Because I only saw my grandparents on my mother's side every three years. Wow. So we drive to Wisconsin from California because that was a long ways and we didn't have money to fly. And we saw my dad's parents every year on Thanksgiving, we would drive to Northern California and not much in between. So that was just the way we thought. Grandparents were very, very, very special, but we didn't know them very well. And I wish to say they left much on legacy for that reason, because I think contact, whether it's in person or not, uh, and we didn't, of course, have what we have nowadays, makes the legacy happen, which is a whole nother topic. Now, uh, Rebecca, I'm not sure I could tell your age, uh, to all my audience, but you are about 47 years younger than me, and <laughs> I often pick older people, not always, to be on my uh, broadcast because it's about leaving a legacy, but as I just uh, mentioned to you, we leave legacies every day whether or not we're intentional, so what legacy do you want to pass down to those around you that you love? It's so funny. I love this word legacy. I'm definitely a word girl um, and I feel their meaning. And the word legacy, when we were first chatting about it, it definitely felt heavy to me. Mm. It's a very big word and it feels like, is it something for 
me to consider years from now, or is it something to think about now? And I really was pondering this and thought, it is for now because the things that we're doing are all part of it, right? It's all shaping the legacy that we're leaving, even within ourselves. So I tried to simplify it as much as I could. So I wasn't overwhelmed by the idea. And honestly, the simplest way to put it for me is that I'm trying to leave a legacy where my kids know they are loved and they know how to love others. I'm thinking and, that's why I'm quiet, but I really like it. So would you repeat that for my audience, please? Absolutely. So just trying to simplify this idea of legacy so that my kids know that they are loved and they know how to love others. Mm -hmm. You know, I've... It a lot like the main commandments that God gave us. <laughs> that's what's the most important commandment, to love, yeah. love others. It really is. And, you know, that can certainly go beyond children, right? Because not everyone is listening has children that they're pouring into. They have other people in their lives. So how is it that we can love others well, but also how can we receive love well? Because we need both sides of that to balance well. And I think to live our most authentic lives. Um, so then I try to just think about like, what are the real things that I can do to do that well, to show so, love. I want to circle back on this. How can we receive others love well? Why is that even an issue? My, my mother used to tease me and say that I had the gift of receiving because I was always asking, <laughs> my dad spoiled me, but, um, partly it's because I was single for so long that my parents really poured into me probably more financially, emotionally, in ways that they didn't have to for my poor brothers and sisters because they had a spouse to move into that role. It wasn't like I was in it. It's just that I, I was needy. Um, right. But I, I also was secure. I think it came, came out of my security in my parents' love for me. I never doubted it for a minute. Uh, doesn't mean I was always nice to them or mature or whatever. But I knew I know how to receive love, which makes me more confident in giving love. But how can you intentionally do that for your children or brothers? Help them love. Besides shaking them and saying, I love you and just, you know. <laughs> I think it is all about creating that security for them. And some of it, I think, does come from modeling. You know, as adults, we're so quick to dismiss acts of love toward ourselves if we're not one of those people that are wired to be a receiver, right? That we're very quick to dismiss someone who gives a compliment even, or dismiss a kind gesture, um, you know, brushing it off really quickly. But if I can start by showing my kids that I can receive love, that I'm worthy of receiving love, mm -hmm. then they can grow up seeing, okay, we are worth something. We are worth enough. I can receive when someone gives me a kind word. I can receive that. It's not, it's not something that I have to reject out of a humility or a false pride. You know, we don't have to get into those things. We can just look at who am I, who has God made me to be, made me to be, and how it's okay to receive those kind things, those loving things from other people. So as a follower of Christ, um, there's a lot of people who say they're followers of Christ. I'm not going to go into that kind of thing, but they are pushing such a self-worth 
mantra and I get sick of hearing it. On the other hand, I totally believe of what you just said. So would you explain uh, what we mean that we are worthy to receive love when only God is worthy to receive worship? And of course, he is the most worthy one. So how is a balanced, emotionally secure, balanced believer uh, put those two things together? As far as feeling worthy to go out and get a pedicure, when you still could buy more raisin bran for your husband, but you choose to put that money into your pedicure. I mean, how do we do that? It's hard when we think about the practical, but I think the best place we can always start is in God's word. And so, you know, looking at, I am worthy because of the things God says are true about me. So how do we go to his word and find those things and then go a step further to make that part of our everyday life, the pedicure versus the raisin bran, right? Um, And I think the more time that we spend in his word, the more that we're going to understand what he means by saying that we are loved, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are more than conquerors, all of these things about us, the more time we spend in that, we'll understand it. And then we can operate in that firm foundation when we're deciding between the pedicure and the raisin bran. I know. I find that people who have a hard time affirming a friend or affirming another person, it's because they're holding on to their security because it's so fragile. Because it's based on themselves or what someone did to them, harm them, versus on what God says, who God says we are and what Christ did for us on the cross. I like to hammer away at people who are holding on to their sin as if it's some sort of a metal instead of allowing God to um, show them his complete forgiveness. You know what I'm saying? And Absolutely. Come across the snubbers. And as we, uh, well, we're heading into Easter, but by the time this is broadcast, it will be the end of summer. But as we head into Easter and think of what Jesus did, I can just forget that if I'm feeling so guilty with those cat of nine tails on my back. How are you currently, uh, we've talked some, about some good things, but how are you doing it practically? Helping your children feel that security of who they are in Christ and your friends, family members. Right, so this does go beyond my kids. I think my kids and my husband are probably the ones impacted the most by it, but certainly this goes beyond to all of our circles, right? Um, For me, I know that it's time and presence. So I can show someone that I care about them, that I love them when I look them in the eye when we're talking, when I put my phone down, when maybe I might be in the middle of something, but I stop what I'm doing and turn my whole self to them, my whole presence, give that to them. That shows them, wow, I'm valuable enough, I'm loved enough that my mom or this woman would stop what she's doing and give me her attention. I think those things go a long way in laying this foundation of being able to know and feel love. And does God do that for you? He does. He gives me people. I mean, it's funny when you think about the giving side of this versus the receiving side of this, you know, it's, easier as the mom to be thinking what are the things I'm doing because I'm in charge of those things and it's sometimes 
I forget to look around me and be reminded, oh, there's things happening for me here too. God's showing me that I'm loved, whether it's in the same way that I'm giving love or not, there are things that he's doing to show me. So it often involves, again, time. It's me stopping what I'm doing long enough to recognize things, to recognize, oh, that little coincidence that I brushed off recently, that wasn't a coincidence. That was God showing me that I'm loved in that way. Or that was a friend stopping what she was doing to give me her attention for. Right. Yeah. So wonderful. Did you have to make any changes or did you overcome any obstacles to make this happen? Uh, your voice has gone out, Rebecca. Is that better? There we go. Um, the changes feel constant. It feels like I have to always be looking for how can I better do this? How can I be reminded to do this? And the world seems to kind of want to keep pulling me into just getting caught up in all of the busyness and all the other things that are not legacy living that are not related to this legacy that I want for my family. For instance, but, for instance, well, social media. I mean, we talk about it. We, we love, we hate to love it. We love to hate it. It's both sides of the coin for sure. But in so many ways, I can feel loved by the things that I'm finding on social media. On the flip side of that, it can also take me away from loving my people well, because I'm not giving them the time that I want to be giving them. So little things like that, that you don't even realize are happening, can be the things that kind of try and pull us away, it seems like. Um. Do you have any parting wisdom that you'd like to share? But I want to go get my camera first so I can take your picture because you're so cute. Uh. <laughs> also, I'm not even sure this recorded because mine is not highlighted, so we might have to do it again. But I hope not. Okay. Mine does say recording at the top, so I'm hopeful. But it may just be your voice, which is really what we want to hear. <laughs> Hi, there we go. Okay. Besides the recipe, there we go. Get the recipe later. Um, I think the biggest thing I can say is to be true to yourself. Not to try to leave the legacy that everyone else is leaving. Not to look around you and say, Oh, but that looks like what I'm supposed to do. Oh, but she's doing this one. Oh, he's leaving this legacy. I'm so guilty of that. <laughs> I think we all are. <laughs> um, God created each of us for a reason, exactly the way we are, right? So if he's the creator, he knew how he made us. He's also got a unique way he wants each of us to leave legacy in the people around us. And it's something, the way I'm gonna leave legacy is not gonna be the same way you're gonna leave legacy. So trying so hard to be inspired, be encouraged by what you see other people doing, but stay true to leaving legacy the way God designed you to leave legacy. Um, which reminds me, I got to hear Bob Goff and he said that 
because most people say, oh, don't compare yourself with other people, stay in your own lane, which is basically what we're talking about here. But he added, be inspired by them. Yes. Yes. So uh, as women, I think we have such a difficult time with the comparison pit. I just wrote an article for Dread the Life about it. And it's, I still slide into it, even though I'm very secure in who God made me. And, um, you know, I get good feedback and, and it's a blessing to be who I am. I'm happy with who I am. But I hear somebody else, I go, oh, I wish I could do that. Or I wish I did that, which is slap, slapping God in the face for how he made me. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. It's so important for us to be able to recognize and it goes, this comes all back to that worth conversation we were having at the beginning, to be able to recognize the things God says about us are true, to hold fast to those things, so that then we can function out of that confidence. Right. When we function out of that confidence, our eyes are no longer on ourselves. I call it navel gazing. I spend too much time looking down. And then I'm not freed up to recognize how beautiful you are. And then not only, not only to recognize it, but then to put it into words. You know, people, one person said to me uh, when I was with Wycliffe, well, he actually taught on it. He said, gratitude not expressed is not gratitude. And I don't know if that deep down is true, but affirmation not expressed is not affirmation. It's really not showing love. Right. Yeah, there has to be that outward expression in whatever manner it takes there in order for it to be coming from a true place in us and for the other person to receive it. Now, uh, as we close here, I want you to tell um, my audience about your books and what inspired you to write them. And then I'll put links for them in the show notes. Perfect. Absolutely. So the first book that I wrote is called Worthy, Believe Who God Says You Are. It's a 21-day devotional. I see what Bible verses would you use that book I love that. So yeah, that's it's a 21-day devotional, and it's it's really the heart for us to get beyond this idea of looking at our worth in order to become more secure for ourselves and shifting this idea of looking at our worth because we want to believe the things that God says about us is because it, we trust him. Is it digital or is it print? Both. You can um, purchase this on Amazon or on my website. There's the Kindle version or the print version. Okay. And uh, do you have a speaking um, video for each chapter? I do not, but that's a wonderful idea. <laughs> People keep asking me to do the same, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> but that may be your next thing since you're isolated. And you're I am a bit isolated. We could start just recording like we are doing right now. Um, I'm just giving you a tip because I like to tell people my visions for their lives. Uh, so I love it. Second book. Uh, my second book just released um, this month. Here we are in March when we're recording. Um, it's called Daily Meditations for Christians, and it is 365 um, short, short entries. And each entry has a quote, an inspir inspiring quote from Christian fiction. And then, yeah, so we use fiction as our inspiration for each day. And because fiction is so full of good stuff and we often dismiss it. Um, 
we're just entertained by it and then we close the book and we're done but there's so much good stuff in there so each day has that quote and then it has a one to three sentence um, affirmation or meditation or prayer and then it has a scripture verse for you to then take meditate on on your own wonderful this sounds uh kind of like your emails that come out because they're 10 seconds what are those called that i get in my email um, I usually call those a pause, so a 10-second pause in my in the emails that I send out. Uh, I would like all my listeners to subscribe to you so that um, they can get this 10-second pause. Does, does it come out once a week, Rebecca? I do send it once a week, um, and it is a blissfully short email because I hate e um, inbox clutter, but I know that we can be encouraged in short periods of time. So it's an email that comes once a week to your inbox and it has honestly 10 seconds or less for you to read it top to bottom. And it has scriptural truth and encouragement for you in those 10 seconds. And because it's 10 seconds, I read it and then I write you like a 30 minute response because that's... <laughs> I love getting responses from people. I read everyone because it's so fun to connect with each other um, and see how we can encourage one another. So true. And you have been a great encouragement to me. I've been uh, really niggling about this whole idea of uh, not self-worth, but identity. Uh, I don't know if you read that blog of mine, I wear orange because I can. And yes, that's the whole thing. But you wrote a book on it. So see, I'm not going to compare myself with you, but I'm going to go buy the book. So then I don't have well, I would, I loved your post about wearing orange. I did read it as a matter of fact, and I love that we can all contribute something to this conversation because God made you worthy in your way and me worthy. And we all have something to say about our identity because he is the creator and he made us. There's so much good in us because of who he is. Because of who he is. And would you leave us with your website uh, handle, please? Absolutely. You can find me at RebeccaHastings.net and you can find me on all social media. My handle is at My Ink Dance. My Ink Dance. I love it so much and I love you and thank you so much for joining me and my audience today. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you so much, Sue. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.